0: Hello everybody. Welcome to the show tonight. It is Thursday evening, which means it's time for yet another Seahawks pregame with Brendan. And Brandon, I am Brendan, and that is Brandon. How are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing great, man. Doing great. We got a little bit of football action going on tonight. Uh, not, not the most tightest of football games between the pack and the lions, but uh still fun one to watch and uh Got our Hawks coming up on Monday night. Grand stage, Brandon, prime time. Are you ready for some football? So I'm yeah. uh, I'm stoked.
0: Yeah, prime it. time. So um, we've got this a Giants game coming up on Monday night, our only Monday night game of the season, which has obviously pushed everything just a little bit awkwardly. So we only have one practice report this week as opposed to the two we would usually have by now. So we have less information than we typically do about injuries, but um, we do have potentially some pretty serious stuff to overcome this week. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, First, just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, The Seahawks filled the open roster spot from the Cody Thompson release by promoting John Radigan to the 53 man full time. So we like what he's doing on special teams enough to make sure he's on the team the rest of the year, I guess.
1: Makes sense, I think. Too, uh, you saw at the end of the game there with Brendan right with uh, Jordan Brooks. That back was he kept touching back to the back and going back to it a couple times at the end of the game. So I do wonder if there's a little bit of uh, just in case there's something dodgy going there that we get some. Yeah, tricks. that
0: makes sense. Um, Cody Thompson, by the way, made his way back to the practice squad, so he's still around. He just uh, won't be playing.
1: That's good to have. He's uh, familiar with the program. Been here multiple years knows it inside mm-hmm. and out throughout probably going to run inside and outside as far as uh, receiving goes. So okay. you, you hope you don't have to call on him, them, but it's it's good all right.
0: And other than that, everything's kind of where we left it. Everything else in the on the roster is uh either trending in a good direction or staying where it was, which uh beats some of the stuff we had to do in the first week, maybe first couple weeks where we had to juggle a lot of stuff. Not as much juggling this week, so I'd say that's pretty good.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, it uh, looks like we're getting a little, uh, you know, Lord willing, I was asked about this today um, on one of my streams, which just is what, when, uh, when are we going to have everything full health? When are we going to be at a point where we're not looking at the horizon line of when they're coming back? Well, it's uh, pr- with the way they're trending, <laughs> can everybody keep your fingers crossed, toes crossed, anything you got to cross, cross it. Uh, and by after the, hopefully the buy, we look at, look, this team coming back, at basically as close to full strength as I think we could ask them to be. Any point in time this season,
0: the reality is, I think in the NFL, especially the modern NFL, you're never really going to be that healthy. Like, yeah, you're going to have moments where the health is really good, but to expect there to just be some massive breakthrough where suddenly the injury reports completely clean—that that's not very realistic.
1: Not in this modern NFL, Brendan. Everybody seems like everybody's in the infirmary unit on every NFL squad. Nobody seems to have kind of quite solved this. So, even more so now than ever before.
0: Okay, so with all that being said, I think we can just swing right into this upcoming game on Monday night against the New York Football Giants. So, let's uh, you know, big picture here looking at the Giants. They've uh, they've not gotten off to a good start this season. They've uh, been blown out twice and they needed a historic miracle to win the one game that they did win. They needed the biggest comeback they've had since World War II in order to just avoid, just barely avoid that dreaded 0-3 record that would pretty much have them thinking about 2024 already. So it's not been a good start, and these were two teams that kind of entered the year on a similar plane. They were both expected to be bad last season, and they both made a surprise run to the postseason. So there there was like a kind of a little bit of connection between the Seahawks and Giants. And it seems like they're headed in a not so good direction and we might be headed in the right direction. So big picture, what are the things that the Giants did this offseason that you think have led to this disappointing start?
1: Well, I think they were trusting in the in general terms, trusting in the development coming from within First and foremost, and that they they thought the young players would be coming forward. That they would just you know the kid the the kid Evan Neal they took out of Alabama would come back give you a full year of health out there on the inside, your interior of your line with guys like Shane Lemieux and uh, the the uh, center I forget the kid's name who they took but the center you and I have been oh, very Schmitz. aware of Schmitz, Schmitz uh, you took this year you're hoping okay that kind of comes together with the offensive line and its maturation process they already know what they've got with Andrew Thomas who's a very very good tackle out there it hasn't gelled together on that offensive line. And um, I mean, that's at the, kind of at the forefront of this. Last year there, a lot of what they did was offensively speaking, D'Abel came in there and he got creative in ways that was very similar to how he did with Josh Allen and the Bills, being that he simplified the things for the quarterbacks. He took a young quarterback, I'm gonna simplify this stuff down the line for you. He could lean into the running game of Daniel Jones last year in that way that like he could with Josh Allen and, and make that a real component of how he simplified that approach and this year it's just not looking simplified for Daniel Jones. He's dropping back to pass and he looks confused by everything he's seeing back there. And especially when it comes to this team and the way they start, Brendan, 6 points through all f- through the first three halves of these of these games. 6 points in total through the first halves of all three football games total. Not that's not on average. That's to- 6 total points. So they've been absolutely ice cold in how they've started. But uh, watching that game last week against the Niners, Niners are going to do this to a lot of quarterbacks, so I, it's kind of one of those hard things to kind of gather on when you don't have they don't have Saquon Barkley as well, which has been a problem. But um, I think that's when I look at it, they they thought that was going to come together with a, like Darren Waller comes in there as a tight end addition and gives them a a component of a guy, a middle of the field stretcher kind of guy. They haven't really found their their lockstep there yet with Darren Waller and Daniel Jones finding that connection. Jalen Hyatt. He's supposed to be a big, big play, deep threat guy. They took out of Tennessee. I, you and I liked him, but we both okay. He's the one. We both, I think, even our even our best liking was like, well, he's going to really be at least a deep threats. Really, what you're going to lean on him for? They're not throwing him to the deep ball at all. You're not even giving him the opportunity. Now, the pass projection hasn't held up. That's what has to happen to make those nine routes go. But I mean, come on, Brendan. You know, like, i are, aren't you one of those folks like I am, where it's like you got to, you, you got the horse in the stable. Let him go run.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, they, they, they hit him with the one coming out of halftime against the Cardinals. That was the one time this year they really let him eat. But uh, that was a case where, like, we're down three touchdowns and we haven't scored a point all season. Uh, we we uh, It was almost like a Hail Mary as much as anything it felt like. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, not good.
1: No, and I think you got to – it's it's like kicking and streaming for you to finally go to this, and then when you do, it's – it's just, it's, it's weird on their part. Like you had this plan and you're not really putting it into place. And I have to start with the offense, of course, because they have the offensive mind. This is how they're driven first and foremost. This is where your assets are placed into this team, especially with the $40 million contract you gave Daniel Jones. You said, okay, he's going to take a step forward with all of these extra assets we have. And if anything, he's regressing a little bit. And I would maintain, I think he's probably regressing Brennan because they're asking him to do a little bit more that you start. The team comes up, Brennan, they start, Hey, you're going to pay a little bit more. They're going to need you to play a little bit more, right? You don't get to just be the one read. I'll use my legs a lot and throw for 150 yards and that's good. No, you're going to need to, you're going to need to now kind of somewhat carry the day for us on there, leaning onto him to do that, especially with Saquon down now. And uh, that's out, I think defensively, and we'll get into the details of it. Defensively, you've got Martindale, who is fun, who's creative. Does he have the, all the parts he needs to make the defense work and run the way he wants it to specifically looking at last week. I'd love to know your opinion on this. I don't know if he's got the man cover corners on the outside to make this scheme work right now with the giants. That would be Mm -hmm. one thing that I would, I would wonder about just a little bit, but they're, they're not, they're not running things right now where they're necessarily getting a lot of pressure and, We'll get into the kind of details of it, but it's certainly an underwhelming defense that's got a lot of things they brought in. A lot of guys that are there, Kayvon Thibodone. He's gonna take a step forward. Lawrence, you money to pay, you paid him this big time money. Uh, but they lost love. They have it was more about this being offensively driven this offseason by what they were trying to look to do and hasn't taken.
0: Right. So yeah. Um, so starting with that uh Giants offense since uh, most of the conversation was built around that. And that's been a side of the ball that's been very disappointing. They rank 31st in points and 28th in yards. They're turning the ball over, which is something they did a really good job avoiding last year. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some of it's kind of fluky, like that first game against Dallas when they were playing in this driving rainstorm and nobody could catch and nobody could hold onto the ball. Like, OK, that that's kind of like weird stuff is going to happen, but they've had turnovers in their other games, too. So all that progress that Daniel Jones made in not being a turnover machine starting to become undone a little bit. I think last year he only turned the ball over like seven or eight times. It was a really impressive turnaround for him, given the fact that's all he used to do. But starting to go back the other way with that. um, Their passing game is one of the worst in the league. Their running game is one of the worst in the league. There's really nothing going on here. Now they have been missing Andrew Thomas. And they're going to get Andrew Thomas back potentially this week. He is limited in practice right now, which is an indicator that he will play. Um, And that's obviously a big step in the right direction. But uh, what's going on with uh, Evan Neal? Because PFF swears he's regressing. They actually have him ranked as the second worst tackle in all of football right now. Like, what, what, is this guy just not it? What do you think? Can
1: you can you validate for me that a lot of that's pass protection, too, based on his struggles? Um, and what you're it, seeing it's, there?
0: Yeah, it's mostly pass protection. Run blocking's not really that good either, but his pass protection is the worst half of that for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean that's cuz that's what I think I've seen from the tape of him at least right now, which is that he's looking, he's a big 6 foot 7 guy and those guys you worry about, you know, having enough mobility to operate off there with some of the twitchier edge rusher guys that are out there in the league that you can go after and even guys that aren't like top the line edge rush kind of guys can still You know, come in there and give you issues, but certainly having, you know, the Micah Parsons and Lawrence in week one is going to test that kind of guy out to see what do you got Niners last week with Bosa, it's going to test you out to see what you got and down Thomas as well to the other side. He starts failing Thomas starts failing and Jones starts to feel like he's under a bit of an onslaught and probably looks worse than he actually is at this moment because of that quite frankly. Um, he's not been the only one on that giants line. I mean, Lemieux is uh, another guy going back to, I remember us, you and I talking, I think back in the day about Lemieux at Oregon and, um, a guy that you want run blocking, but if I remember correctly, you don't want to pass blocking If my history on that guy is correct as well. So you've got some issues here on the line, just in their basic structure and setup, but this is one of the reasons Neil goes from being potentially thought of as a left tackle type at the NFL level where they go, I don't know if he's going to have to less athleticism. You're going to have to kind of move him over to the right side. And now still does he have enough, even over at the right side? I think he'll settle in when it comes to the run blocking, especially once they get back up Barkley versus Brita. Mm-hmm. But I do think uh, I think it's the notable part of his game that remains, I think, a bit of a worry and a place we can attack.
0: Yeah. Uh, the uh, Giants offensive line actually did a historically bad job protecting Daniel Jones in that Niners game. PFF said that like Daniel Jones was pressured on, I think it was 78% of his dropbacks. And he was getting pressured on an average in an average of two point two seconds. It was about as bad as it gets for an offensive line protecting your quarterback.
1: And it and it and that's what the made the, the tape matches up. This one of those BFF will match to the tape a lot of times, and uh, this is one place where it definitely does so because that's what I saw last week. Or just like, man, you guys cannot even keep them back for a second. Um, Niners, when they get up, the, the one thing that happened in that, the one thing that's happened with them only getting six points in three games through the first three halves is that they're getting down in football games and the Giants are not a team that's built offensively, even though they're kind of being now built a little bit more to the offense, carrying a little bit more of the day. They're built to play where we're like kind of close to being tied up slash playing with a lead. They're not a team built to play from behind. And you start getting that line in a position where we now know you're going to have to pass block and we can just, they don't want to let those teams get into pin your ears back mode because it'll be trouble city. But in particular, I mean, getting the Niners and the Cowboy, that's two, we got to also win three games. That's two of the tougher draws to get to open a season. And it will, this will, especially getting Thomas back end up being something that you will settle down, especially for this game. We're not going to be able to rely quite as much. I think on that as they were able to get to through the first uh, couple of contests, but it's been bad.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely been bad. Um. So looking at the Giants receivers, it's kind of crazy. I feel like they did a lot in the offseason trying to finally give Daniel Jones some real receivers. And here they are kind of in the exact same spot. I feel like they were in last year, like uh, their are starting receivers or like Darius Slayton, I guess, is listed as the starter right now.
1: Mm-hmm. I,
0: I thought they were going to try to do some work to get him down the depth chart. So he would be like the number four. Uh. So much for that. Uh, PFF has Isaiah Hodgins as their other wide receiver. I guess he's okay, but not really somebody you want starting. They've got uh, Paris Campbell. And I remember you and me talking about Paris Campbell a little bit in the off season. He's good, but like, this is a receiving core that was supposed to be massively better than last year. And that was going to be the key to Daniel Jones playing better. But really it seems like the only thing they did to improve their pass catching core is uh, Darren Waller. And he, you know he's not exactly Travis Kelsey out there. He can't make up for having such a bad receiver core.
1: No, and almost a fifty percent catch radius catch rate, which is what he's bringing to the table right now is your most targeted receiver of the bunch. Right. I uh, Paris Campbell's a guy. There's a reason the Colts let him go, and he just never developed. He was always a guy that you you hoped as it coming out, it was out of Ohio State. a guy, get him the ball in space, bubble screen guy, fly sweep guy. But he's not been particularly strong with the ball in his hands, and the speed has not been quite as much a a translation to the NFL as it was in college, where he looked burner fast, and he just hasn't been burner fast on the football field. Um, Darius Slayton, I like that you mentioned him because he's sort of taken over now the Sterling Shepard role, and Shepard's still on the team, whereas to me, doesn't it always seem like the Giants have some useless receiver on their roster that just doesn't make a lot of sense as to why they – like he's they're a fill-in. They're an NPC for the receiving core is like what it feels like. And they've always got one on the roster at any given one time. They're getting a and, and they're always getting way too many snaps, Brendan. That's always the key with it, where it's always that kind of guy. The one the one guy to look for here that I think starts to come forward for them who came back, I think finally from an injury last week was Wandale Robinson. Um, mm. a guy who was part of what made Will Levis look really good in that final second of last year before he kind of dropped off in that final year before he went out. And, uh, I think he was, I think all last year he was out to an injury or something. So just coming back last week, four catches on five targets, didn't get a lot of yards with it, but he can be a third down chain mover for them. And that's a little bit of what they need right now. There's a lot of kind of third downs and just the offense looking kind of dead, just out of it right from the start on these, some of these drives. So I think he's a guy that does help them and it starts to fit a little bit more in now, where if you can start to get Jalen to work in his role on the outside as your deep threat Wandale to work as your chain mover. And I guess. Slayton and Waller as your sort of intermediate guys. But this all comes back down to Jones and his decision-making and being able to run an offense that's not just the simplified, you know, like we saw this when Dable left the Buffalo Bills, right? Because at that point in time, the contract of um, um, the Bills quarterback, Josh Allen, Josh uh, Allen, clicks in. And now he's got, you can see there was a little bit of dip in his performance initially there as Dable left because I think that's a little bit of what the Bills did there with Josh Allen going, Okay. You know, you're now into this year of your years. You need to get this role, we need to ask you to do a little bit more. You know, high volume of passing attack, and you got to make this run. And that's kind of the transition once you start paying these guys, I think, naturally to want that.
0: So it's uh, not really a threatening wide receiver core, and Saquon is going to try to play in this game, but I listened to a little bit of what uh, Daybol had to say earlier today, and he sounded – not particularly optimistic like he's trying he's doing some individual drills he's got a chance but it didn't sound to me like Saquon was going to play so it's going to be Matt Breida and it is a pretty uninspiring skill position set of uh, set for these Giants it looks like
1: yeah I mean Breida's kind of a guy on the who can get you on the outside for sure and that's a place this defense when they've given up some runs this year I think to the outside has been where it's been mainly the issue um, but he's not as much of your inside kind of running guy there. And this Giants team, when it's wanting to make its running rushing attack work fully, it wants to hit you inside and outside. And it wants to be able to utilize the quarterback in the read option game. So so part of that is having the inside run because it's hard to run outside on a read option. I mean, you can kind of get to the outside, like an outside zone off read. But it's, it's more easier just to run those read option runs for the running back, especially just right up the gut. So Breed is not that guy. That's he's, he's a good back for what you ask him to do in the certain set role, but not on those kind of runs. And uh, yeah, I think that makes them a lot more vulnerable offensively to us with, with not having that. They got to go out of their rut, their passing attack, which has been kind of a problem, you know?
0: I mean, everything looks like it's going to be a problem for these giants on offense. You've got a really bad offensive line. They might get Thomas back, but even if they get Thomas back, it's still bad. Michael Schmitz is not playing that well. He's a rookie. That's not unexpected, but yeah. not playing well. The guards are not very good. Neil's awful. Thomas, by the way, not that this means anything, but so far this year when he's played, he hasn't played that well. Uh, they don't have good receivers. They've got an okay tight end. Their quarterback isn't playing well. They don't have their star running back. Like There's really not a lot to say about this Giants roster, both in terms of how they're playing and their perceived level of talent. Meanwhile, yeah. on the Seahawks side, it looks like we are going to get Rick Willen back this week. He's full practice today. Would be very surprising if he didn't play on um, Sunday. Uh, Jamal Adams also making his triumphant return. Last time he played against Daniel Jones, by the way, he did the Lawrence Taylor thing where he gets oh, yeah. the ball out and takes it back. Just um, while he's
1: still stand, while he's still standing, just yeah. While exactly. Daniel Jones is just standing there like he took his, like he took his groceries, like he's just <laughs> leaving the store of the grocery store and and and. Jamal just took his gros- bag of groceries and just just ran away and just stood there looking at him.
0: Right. Uh, looks like we're going to have Artie Burns and Julian Love on defense. Uh, some question marks around the availability of Trey Brown, Kobe Bryant, Draymond Jones, maybe Daryl Taylor. I, uh, we're going to have to find out a little bit later this week whether or not we have those guys. But um, the only thing that's going to be, I think, kind of semi-compelling here The giants do have something that we have not had to deal with yet this season, a mobile quarterback, a quarterback who can use his legs. Mm -hmm. Uh, We thought we were going to have to deal with this against the Panthers, but of course we didn't. Mm -hmm. So this is a new dimension. We've stopped some running, uh, some running games so far this season. um, But I don't think that um, we, we played a team that depends on their quarterback so much for running the ball. So Do you think this is something that can maybe test us in a different way than uh, these other teams we played already?
1: Yes, because you have not only just a mobile quarterback, but one who is still in that mode of looking to run, especially in the Giants game in the first couple of drives with Daniel. I mean, the second that they got those edge rushers got too far upfield and not enough in more of a contained mode or enough into more of a mush rush mode. And they lost it up, they got upfield too far, Daniel would run right past him and he'd go take what you could give him five, six, seven yards and slide down. So, you know, that's a part that, yeah, with especially the the Hawks right now trying to work on their pass rush and get upfield and and not always wanting to do it, you know, from a blitz angle of things at the same point in time of stuff. So that's that's where do you you know, how do you how do you find that balance? I mean, the Niners last week. You know, kind of showed you, hopefully on tape, a method to do this, because there's a team that runs a wide nine with their defensive line. Like you, they don't want to blitz a lot, yet they got a tremendous amount of pressure, and they still kept Daniel Jones pretty contained last week as far as his running ability, not giving him a lot of opportunities for that to be there for him. I'm sure Fred Ward was running some spy stuff, too, on the back end, but that that to me is where you've, you've got to find kind of defensively the right spot here. I think we can shut down the run without Barkley relatively well one way or another, especially considering where they're at. How do you keep Barkley from doing what some of the quarterbacks have done to you so far this year and sort of just peppering you? Because he's like another quarterback like these ones we talk about, Brendan, who if you do, you know, he's not quite as like in that mode of and a guy like in Dalton, where I think Dalton's a much smarter, wouldn't you say, more aware quarterback and his understanding of the game to process. Yeah.
0: I mean, Dalton is only here because he's still really smart because he's been around a while. He's been a really good quarterback at times. That's his, uh, that's his thing. He's a very smart quarterback. It's not his arm. It's not his legs. It's not anything like that. It's just his brain.
1: I I, I'd it like this though. Like the type of quarterback that's given Hawks defenses fits in the last few years. That's this kind of, you know, Cole McCoy, Jimmy Garoppolo, Teddy Bridgewater. He's not that guy and that he's more of a toolsy, but doesn't see everything clear on the field guy. And I think those right. guys are limited, but they see everything on the field clear. And that's where hopefully you can maybe get him a little bit at times where he's not going to be able to just take the easy free thing that's there in front of him and, and pick you apart. But that's that, that is the rub to me, is that that ability to rush on that. Okay, I don't see it clear, but now I've got the legs to still get away and go get go get seven or eight yards in the first down, even though I miss saw what I was processing on the field.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't think, I mean, we've seen in the past that he is capable of being very turnover prone. Um, He wasn't last year. He's gotten better as the years have gone on, but he is somebody who will throw the ball to the other team a few times if you mm. put him in that situation. So yeah. it's not like, uh, you know, the, the kind of thing about the Andy Dalton's of the world is that they're pretty good at avoiding that. Yeah, I agree. That's it's what the- makes it so frustrating
1: a hundred percent they stay within themselves and this guy will he'll 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 let it rip he'll let it loose. he's got an arm that can make the throws too when he does let it rip he just doesn't his processing power going through his reads staying under control in the pocket you know not being too jumpy it's like a combo of all those things one of them kind of rears their head play to play with him when it goes bad
0: so at the end of the day do you feel like we're gonna uh, this defense against the lions offense what do you want to see
1: I think you, you simplified it down really quickly. I mean, this is just to take care of business and be the better roster, like you said. I think you boiled it down that in a fashion that's the right way. And let me give you the two stats that I think even it signify this best. The points for this team, for the Giants, is right now four, 14.3 on the season. That means his offense is scoring 14 points a game. That's 31st in the NFL. The defense is allowing 32.7 points a game. That's 30th in the NFL. So offensively and defensively, they don't score many points and they give up a whole bunch of points. And yeah, you can go a little bit to the injury stuff, but hey, we've been injured too. and We're getting healthier for this game too, and even much more healthier, I think, than they are. And so this is a game where you are flat out better. How do you attack? You know, what is the, to me, the method approach? Well, first off, the, the the Niners showed you last week, offensively speaking, you've got to utilize your running a game. McCaffrey had an eight yard to carry like, not that wasn't his average, but it just seemed like every time he got the ball, there was eight yards to be had, not a four yard, eight yard carry, you know, where they're just huge holes being opened up with the rushing attack in there for, against this Giants front, which is odd for me, Brendan, because you got Lawrence in there, man, explain this one to me. You got Lawrence in there. You've got Leonard Williams, who was even flashing at times in that Niners game. Um, a Sean Robinson down in there, they've invested in Kayvon Thibodeau down this line. And he's supposed to be a guy supposed to be active for them down there. You know, why aren't they playing better? I don't like their linebacker core very much. I'll say that much, but I mean, uh, I would certainly have expected them to play better in this role, but that's a place to hit him right off the top is in that it with the rushing attack to me.
0: Right. So I um I I think I pretty much agree with all of that. I, I mean, I don't think the Giants. Are, I don't think there's any way they're as bad as they've looked over the first three games.
1: Agreed. Yeah.
0: But there are some real problems here that I think are real, at least for now. Like I think Michael Schmitz will be good eventually, but maybe he's just not good yet. I think that Evan Neal. Uh, well, maybe he has to bump inside at some point and try to do the uh, DJ Fluker thing.
1: Yeah, maybe six seven. It's hard at that high at that size. Yeah.
0: But uh, I think he'll be good eventually. But right now, and I don't, I know DeBole is a really good quarterback or DeBole, excuse me, but um, a really good coach. But I don't feel like he's like a Sean McVay type, somebody who can just kind of eat Pete's lunch with a bad roster.
1: I don't think so either. I think he's still fighting his footing as a head coach. He's a first time head coach too. And it's, it's some guys I know with McVay, he did show, oh, I can do it. And some guys are like that. Some guys are, it takes them a little bit of time to find their footing. And I think he is. And I think he's still trying to make it worth, work with a guy like Daniel Jones, who I don't know for sure if Daniel Jones is really the guy that can make this happen, even if things are going right. Even if the line, I will say right now he's doing it with a line that isn't bad, but you know, this is the thing that we got to appreciate about Geno Smith's recent performance is that he's had it with a bad line and he's not looked this like, supremely diminished person that can't even make anything happen you saw a little bit of this uh from jordan love in this game of the green bay green bay comes to this game against the detroit lions at home and yeah they made a little bit of a mounted comeback but through the first big part of that game down a couple of offensive linemen and he just looks like I-, I can't even function as a quarterback you know throwing interceptions and bad passes and can't move the drive and meanwhile you got a guy like our guy here in gino who's actually making able to make it move and so is daniel you know in your opinion is daniel jones you know diminished with that so much is that he just can't handle having these poor play of offensive line slash backup blindside protector out or is he what he he is is he like the thing everybody like to say about gino brendan we got to really apply with daniel jones is that yeah you know, I, I i i both hate him like he is what he is as this you know limited 40 million dollar quarterback
0: <laughs> and I, I i don't know i i still I look at this receiver core and I still say this is not an NFL caliber receiver core. If you got him better receivers, it would probably be a different story. But at the same time, I've seen other quarterbacks succeed with receiver cores that I didn't think were all that good. Like uh, um, like like Tannehill, I remember, uh, I think this was uh, last year, was able to have some success after they traded A.J. Brown and had maybe the worst receivers in the league. And he was yeah. still OK. He wasn't great or anything, but you can still play competently in those circumstances if you know what you're doing. Yeah. I
1: mean, you make an argument that their receiving core is pretty close to what the Rams have so far this year. I, I or I mean, even the Lions and what they've had so far this year, you know, they don't have Jamison Williams so far and they're doing what they're doing without that. So, right. I, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of teams you could find some productivity where you wouldn't just fall completely apart. And that's where I can't come back to the issue of just being a line problem for Daniel Jones mm-hmm. um, in itself. But you're right about the scrambling. That can be a thing where he comes out of a game with 80 or 90 yards and you're going, We let him get us with that. You know, and that's that's where you gotta be under control in your pass rush and and make sure you got the protections back there.
0: All right. Uh Seahawks gaming. Thank you for the dollar ninety-nine. Lions were a coin flip away from going 0-4 with lock. I don't know what with lock means, but. I understand the first part of this. I'm a little confused about the with luck aspect here.
1: What do you think it was with luck? Do you think he meant with luck, L U C K rather okay. than
0: luck? Yeah. Okay. I can go with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean a little bit. I, I I think we definitely took that game from them. That was a win you went into their house, and there wasn't something you could blame on that game of like a ball that bounced the weird direction, or and it was off by an inch. like a guy got away from an inch. Like that game got pretty well determined, I think one way or another, on how that played out. Yeah. So I, I, but hey, they've they look great. They came in there and they smacked the Packers in the mouth, and they took yeah. it right to them in their house. And you don't usually do that in Lambo.
0: Yeah. One day a scientist is going to have to do some kind of study to make sense of how this Seahawks team can get blown out at home by the Rams and then seven days later go into Detroit and beat this Lions team. But that's kind of the thing that's driving me crazy about the modern NFL. It feels like there's very little consistency from week to week. Like you'll Mm -hmm. just have some random result out of nowhere that doesn't make any sense and never makes any sense. Like, oh... Uh, this jets team that started 0 and 14 just beat the ramp playoff bound rams by two scores Wait, what
1: I think it's a real thing that we wouldn't like to think that's out there brendan because these guys are paid millions of dollars and there are 17 games in a season and it's you you have like how can you have this happen but i think that you do get into certain points of the schedule and times in the schedule and could for what in our case i guess it was the rams game where the team just doesn't take its opponent seriously. And it's like, if you go in and you're going to fight somebody in combat and you walk in and you go, you know, I get this guy versus you go in and you've got the psycho face on and you're ready to pull off people's fingers with a mentality. Like one's, one's going to have a little bit more chance of success. The other has a little bit more chance of getting your butt knocked out. And I think that that's, what's happened at times is that we got our butt knocked out because We've walked in on, on games like that, or like the Cowboys did this last week with the Cardinals, where how it, it's going to be human nature at times, I guess, when you look at some of these rosters opposite you, and you're like, Puka Nuka, <sighs> give me, give me a break, you know. Or in the car, or Cowboys' case, Josh Dobbs, Josh Dobbs mm-hmm. ain't doing nothing against us, He ain't doing nothing against us, and that just starts to, even if it's just slight, starts to permeate a little bit. It like takes over like a virus through the week, I bet, and just starts to by the end, everybody's kind of like sleepwalk mode, you know. But human nature, I guess, as much as anything else.
0: Yeah, like I remember in the early OOS, the, uh, you know, Brady Patriots and the Manning Colts seemed like they just showed up almost every week. It was so rare when they would no-show a game and lose a stupid game. Even if they no-showed, they'd still win at the end. Like, like Mm -hmm. I remember the great teams of that era, like uh, the the Steelers, the first few years Ben was there. It's like they they didn't no-show and lose stupid games they they would occasionally play below their standard but they usually still win
1: agreed that was and i think that that's you're talking about something that's about the the type of cultures that get created that take on that responsibility in a way that's not normal in the nfl and that you you can try to foster but it also has to come from players accepting that responsibility of ownership and leadership And, and that requires them then to have that kind of like making sure not only I'm ready to go for this game, but that my fellow guy next to me is ready to go for this game too, that I'm not letting my guy next to me slouch. And, you know, that's where we get to the various places of leaders and guys that push other guys and how much you get the collective to buy in in that manner. And uh, that's the hard part, I think, in the modern NFL, Brendan, especially because distractions are so heavy and there's so many other things for uh, the modern player to go not that there hasn't always been distractions, but now more than ever, I think it's, it's there at the forefront. So it's, it's getting, I don't think like what you could apply 20 years ago to get that. Like they did, Brendan, you know, like what Belichick and Dungy before him um, were applying. I don't know if you could apply the modern era with the, with the, the kids in the same manner with what they've got out there. And so, yeah, it's, it's a tough, how do you, how do you get it? I don't know. And they're probably, there's probably not as much a consensus on this one. Yeah.
0: Maybe, maybe there's like a shortage of superstars in the modern NFL that you as a teammate really do not want to let that guy down. Like, like maybe there, we just need more quarterbacks out there that are such strong leaders. Nobody lets them down because they're like, if I let that guy down, he's going to kill me. Like, like, you know, yeah. that's what they always said about Jordan, right? Like, that's right. Uh, his teammates like felt like, look, if I let this guy down ever, if I ever don't do my job, he is going to have me assassinated. So I got to show up every day. Maybe yeah. it, maybe it's something like that. I don't know, but, there, there just doesn't seem to be any consistency in the modern NFL compared to where it used to be.
1: I agree. Um, and I think it's harder for maybe quarterbacks or maybe that there's not as many guys built like that to take that kind of, you know, cause it is again, that thing with Jordan that, you know, there's a price to be paid to be in that, that way too. Right. Like you're a nice guy to everybody's a quarterback. Everybody loves you over it's one thing, but it, sometimes as like Jordan kind of intimated about in that last dance. It's like, I, I gotta be an a-hole. To get these guys where I need them to be. And I'm not happy. It's not uh, proud that I got to do that, but that's what's required if I'm going to put championships on. And, you know, afterwards, 20 years down the line, these guys are going to talk about me and they're going to say in one breath, You got me a championship. But then out of the other side of their mouth, they're going to be like, Yeah, but he was also an a hole. It's like, Well, you are putting two and two together, though, right? And it's, and some guys can take that mantle of leadership where I'm going to be a leader, but I want to be the nice guy and have everybody like me. Others will take that mantle of leadership and say, I'll be that leader. I'll push this thing through. You're absolutely right on it coming from the quarterback and then coming from my quarterback and a strong head coach, that thing's going to resonate more strongly on down to the players below. So, you know, when Belichick and Brady are double demon on that one and their, their message is the same unifying, it's going to be a lot harder for those guys, you know, to slouch out, you know, week to week. And that team got the AFC East for 20 years. And that was just like walking through Mm. You know, okay. Youngstown State every other week in that division <laughs> at times.
0: Yeah, very true. Uh, let's see here. Mehar Khan. Thank you for the dollar ninety nine. You guys steal my boyfriend from me on Tuesdays <laughs> and Thursdays. Uh, okay. Well, I'm I i like that. I think that's yeah. good. So I'd... I'm gonna take that as a compliment. I think it's a positive.
1: Mahara, I would say that we're gonna stop doing it in the future, but uh I'd be lying to you. We're gonna keep <laughs> taking them. Sorry. He's ours for the season.
0: Uh, Let's see here. Blitz 2K5, thank you for the member message, member for 17 months over on Brandon's side, I believe. Who does mm B&B expect to show up most on D this coming week? Well, since we spent the first part of the show talking about the Giants' offense, let's go ahead and address this now before we move on to the other side. What do you think? Um what
1: do i what do I expect who do I who does they expect to show up most on D this upcoming week? Um, I think that you're going to see uh, the Giants probably try to lean a little bit more into the running game as that that's been something that with losing the lead as early and often as they have, they that's put them in a position to eventually have to throw too much to where they have no balance offensively, and they don't have a a passer and Daniel Jones who could do that. So they want to avoid falling back and I think to that pitfall into this game And one way to do that is run a little bit more early often than they have. So I would expect uh, Bobby Wagner and Brooks to be a factor early on in how they stop the run as the as we start out the game um as the game goes along how you hold up in man coverage and specifically I think making it hard on the on the Giants don't let this be the game that Jalen Hyatt goes off you know make them th- this I know I often say I get mad about the dinking and dunking and, and the quarterbacks that can go up the field like that that can you know eat you up that way. We were just talking about when it comes to Daniel Jones, he's not programmed like those kind of quarterbacks are programmed. He's not programmed like even a Brock Purdy is. It's it's a different kind of guy in the way you can, you can kind of because he is still so young and kind of confused by what he's seeing. Um, that you can you can if you want to try to force him to be patient, eventually you will find him making a mistake because he can get erratic at the worst of times, all of a sudden, and out of left field a little bit. And so I would. um, I would lean in that defensively as far as playing just pretty much under control. But uh, I think early on, the linebacker is going to play factor by later on. It's going to be the secondary is I think we can get a little bit of a lead here. And then it's about, can you keep the top on the defense? And then can you stay tied up in coverage at the same point in time? And that'll be the, you know, just a particular, I think that's indeed Brendan, the story up until this point, right? Like we've, we've allowed over 300 yards here for the first three weeks. And, you know, are you going to let them do that to you again? And I, I know I'm saying I don't want to let you din- – I'm okay on this one getting dinked and dunked a little bit more, but it would be nice if you could find a little bit of an answer for both here
0: if it was possible. Yeah. I think there's immense potential for – it looks like we're going to have both, by the way, Woolen and Witherspoon in this game. Woo! I think there's immense potential for those guys to just lock down on the outside against these very uh, – to use a little bit of a uh, familiar word for those older Seahawks fans, uh, pedestrian whiteouts.
1: That's right. But yeah. <laughs> but real pedestrian rideouts, out. It's not like, not like in a, you know, mocking them, but and just, no, no, really like they just, they should be just off the streets.
0: Like there, there may not be a heck of a lot going on on the outside for the uh, Giants in this game. So they probably will try to run the ball a lot, probably with Jones and probably with Breida as well. And it could be one of those days where Wagner and Brooks, one of them could have like a 15, 16 tackle day even without them being on the field the whole game
1: I could see it man I really could because it's one where they i think the Giants are really going to try to keep this game close so they don't get stuck behind the eight ball like they have so often here early on this year and it's made it hard i think on them offensively to get things done that way just and they just not built they're not built to do that some offenses are built to do it they're not built to do that
0: Right. Uh let's see here. The Snail, thank you for the $2. The Prez is getting five sacks and a touchdown on Monday. <laughs> let's go. Let's go, Snail. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's uh first time he's played in that stadium since uh, the trade. Right? It's true.
1: That's true. And the Jets and the Giants do share that stadium, don't they? So I believe they do. So yeah, maybe there's some special special memories on him coming in there. He gets a little bit of that old that old Jets juice cooking through the veins and uh, makes it happen. I'd love to see it.
0: Yeah. Just going to go ahead and say this now and hopefully not regret it later. Any concern from you about having Jamal's first game back beyond that MetLife turf that snatches so many souls?
1: I think eventually you got to take him out of the bubble wrap. And you've waited a couple extra weeks here, I think, already with this. I think he's been chomping at the bit in Carroll's ear to get on the field based on kind of just reading the reading Coach Carroll's kind of tenure on this. And I think that eventually you just got to let it rip. And, you know, you as a team has decided this year that we're not going to cut him. We're not going to save that con- contract to get make more money to help us out in other places. Instead, we're going to ride with him this year. And you got to put that car out on the open road, Brendan. Put that pedal down to the metal and see if it's going to take. And there's a lot of bad turfs out there in the NFL with this upcoming season we're going to be playing on. And so, you to me, just including our own. I mean, I don't know that our own is all that much better at home either. I mean, maybe it is, but it's it's historically not been one of the better ones either. Yeah, so, I think it's
0: a little worse than average. I've read an article about this.
1: Yeah. So I I just think when it comes down to it, if he's ready to roll and he's good to go. You you take them out and you let them roll. This is the make or break a year for Prez. I think we both agree on that. And I think I think you got to give it a give it a go. What about you?
0: I I think it's the right thing to do, but given the fact that we have this bye week right after this game as well, I think some people are at least thinking, like, did we have to do it now and MetLife? It just <laughs> ruined Aaron Rodgers. The I last couple of Monday night games have involved devastating, life altering injuries. Because it was Aaron Rodgers, Nick Chubb, and I think there was one in the uh what was it? There was the uh there was another one as well in there. I can't remember who it was now, but there have been like three devastating injuries on Monday night football this year.
1: Jeez. Freaking yeah. me out, man. Uh I yeah, i I I mean it's definitely scary, but it's to me almost equally scary across the board for all our guys coming in this game with that. Yeah. You yeah. know, it just feels like if it's your number, it's your number. I mean Shoot watching the nights game with Brian Branch. You, you have him out there on grass, and it's in September. So you know it's not super cold out there in Green Bay. And he just that guy goes to block him, and it almost looked like, like he looked like he was going to come back, but it looked like his Achilles popped. You're just like, it's just like that's all it takes sometimes. You know, it's like the most innocuous of moves. And the guy is just down, reaching for his ankle. And you're going, okay. Just like when it's your time, it's your time. When the sniper shoots you from the from the grass, you know, Brendan, you are going yeah. down.
0: Yeah, that's true. All right, uh, Brady. Thank you for the dollar ninety nine. Are we taking it on Monday Night Football, Seahawks with the W? Well, not to spoil the end of the show here, you know, not to give everything away, but uh, I am feeling pretty good about Monday Night right now.
1: I am well as well. I think that the team the Giants have been this year is not the team you're going to get this week. And you are there's something to be said like we what like the Lions saw against us. We gave the Lions this kind of energy of when you know you've been kind of embarrassed, just got embarrassed on a national stage the previous week. You're scuttling a bit. You're looking to find your footing for the season. Uh, You know you're going to come out with a certain energy collectively speaking, with a certain smell of both desperation and try hard energy. And that combination of energies can be kind of potent when you're going up against it as another team. Like we talked about with the whole fighting and um, metaphor I was trying to make earlier. You come in and that team's in that way and you're not going to match the energy. It can go a little bit sideways on it. But I do think we're going to be playing hot. I think Jamal out there with Witherspoon, I think their energy defensively is going to be cooking. uh, Woolen back into the frame of mind as well. I I love where our rushing attack is, the balance of our offense. I think, do we get crossback or not this week?
0: Um, earlier this week, Carol sounded pretty confident we were going to get crossed back today. He sounded somewhat less confident to me, but, um, all we know for sure (laughs) is that he, he did not practice today. That's all we know for sure. So let's call it
1: probably not. So you're, you're still, I mean, well, offensively speaking, that's, you know, still then now a Thibodeau out there and it's, it's, you've got some still guys that can give you some problems as it works up. So, I, I think you're going to get the best effort. I do think we can we can kind of get out of this one. It might be a squeak without a one. It might be a three, four point win. But um, I do think that this is a game that you uh, you you certainly are just a little bit better set in how you're playing, how you're looking so far this year. I think too, there's a little bit of the, don't you think you feel like Giants were a little bit kind of a little bit overhyped. Like they got, people got up on that bandwagon a little bit fast. I think not that they're a bad team, but right. just that the, here they're ready to go out there and and cook.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think the most concerning thing about playing this Giants team right now is the fact that they kind of have to win this game because if they lose, they're playing at Miami and at Buffalo the next two Mm. weeks. So that is a one in five team if they lose on Monday, basically. So you're going to get their best shot. Now, I said the same thing about Carolina. I think you're going to get their best shot because if they go to 0-3, it's basically over. Yeah. And I think you did get a pretty decent shot from them and you just won anyway. So you can overcome that, but I'm not expecting the Giants team that showed up in the first half against the Cardinals to be the team we play.
1: Yeah. Like you said with that, the Carolina took us pretty far and we need our home fan base on that one to help in that win. And you're not going to have that at your disposal going into this weekend in New York. I think it can't be undersold that you're going to get a really strong effort from this ball club, whether or not you're more talented right now, whether or not you're more healthier right now, they're they're going to match they're going to put that energy to a certain spot and a big part of us winning this game beyond tactical wise x's and o's is meeting that
0: energy level meeting where they're at in that space okay let's see here who died thank you for the $1.99 and he also had another $1.99 we will beat the <sighs> farty niners let's fly we equals them
1: thank you who died mm-hmm. <laughs> let's go with them. let's go let's get them farty niners
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's a show for another day, though. That's a little down, little down the line here.
1: And thank God for that, because that team is scary right now. Right.
0: But, uh, you know, we've been around long enough to know that teams cool off eventually. Yeah,
1: that's like, why it's I'm... Not,
0: it's not possible for a team to sustain their maximum level of output for uh, five months. It doesn't happen.
1: I wouldn't think so, man. I'm counting yeah. on it as well. So I, I'm right. glad that those games are down the road, though. Not now, because I just wouldn't... Let's get a little healthier. Let's, let, let's get a little healthier. Let the young guys play a little bit more, you know. Let's just we'll figure that out and then we'll get back around to, getting to the Niners. you know.
0: Okay. So, now let's go over this other side of the ball with the Giants. Their defense, mm-hmm. which I think maybe has been a bigger letdown than even their offense because this was the side of the ball that has some there's some stuff on this side of the ball and there's some stuff that should be a lot more than it is so far. They've uh they do have a nice defensive line. With Dexter Lawrence, who's been a PFF darling so far this year, along with the Leonard Williams, he's also been excellently graded there. But after that, it it gets bad. It it seems like the the it seems like their third best player on defense so far might be Isaiah Simmons. So good trade by them, I guess. But they're not getting good play out of anybody in the secondary except for maybe McKinney. I I like McKinney. I think he's pretty good. But other than that, eh, the linebackers not seeing a heck of a lot there. Um, Thibodeau in particular seems like he's headed in a pretty bad direction here as a, a former top ten pick. So there's a lot to not like on this side of the ball. So defensively, big picture, what do you, what are you concerned about?
1: Their size. They're, they've got good size up front for what they bring, and that can pre- prevent. That can cause some problems for kind of a, an offense that wants to hit you from a mobile-based aspect of things. The Niners overcame it last week, and that's where some, maybe some of that those holes came from is you just got a defense a little slower and able to really get them with that. I like Micah McFadden. I thought he was impressive last week. I don't know if he's a good player or well-graded, but he was, I thought, flashing in that game as one of the few defenders last week against the Niners showing up. I think they thought they were getting more out of Bobby Oakry from the Colts when they brought him over. And I just don't think he's probably given them a lot. Um, Aziz Ojalary, if I'm not mistaken, has been kind of beat up. He had a good first year, then had a, like yeah. a lost a year to injury. Yeah.
0: Limited in practice today, by the way. So he'll probably yeah, play, but he has not played that much this year.
1: It's got a hamstring injury, and so I mean he he's been a part that him missing has been I think a big issue for them because they don't really have the third guy that they can go to in that as that edge rush guy, you know. So it's like it, it's it was hopefully him and Thibodeau that made it run, and then he's not in there because then they're going to hope with their blitz program that they can get the rest done probably from a pass rush front of things. Um Deontay Banks you and I looked a lot at him. We liked him a lot out of Maryland, but he was a guy that I don't know if I would have said okay, I I am going to have to have that guy be my number one corner to start things off here once we get to the season. So him af- out there running as much as he is is the number one guy and he's out there kind of kind of gaslighting DK. I don't know if you saw his comment today, but
0: uh, uh I, I missed that. What's up? He
1: said what did he say? Something about he's got to be he's going to be a superhero on this uh let's see. Um what he said, Deontay, thanks on DK. What do you say? Uh, said I got. I can't wait to show off my superpower against it, DK Metcalf. that's,
0: that's yeah, always it's good. Not that bad. I mean, that's not that bad.
1: I no, but I, I bet you that. DK. I bet you DK is going to read it as something more yeah. not so. bad. You know what I mean? Like I, I if I'm going to be I playing DK the next week, I'm i shutting the hell up. I'm nice. I'm, sh- I'm I'm shaking hands. I'm asking him how the family is. You know what I'm saying? That's the energy I'm coming at. <laughs> so, um, but. Yeah, it's, I think the other problem with this defense beyond just the, where the personnel is, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty good personnel overall. Zijo Jolari, I think changes a little bit of that pass rush when he's out there and, and somewhat healthy, but it's also with Wink Marndale about the blitz aspect of things and something that's very odd with him. And I, I hate the five man pressure packages. Personally, we've talked a little bit about that in recent weeks, not from our Hawks use, but how some other teams like to use this a lot more. It, it just doesn't accomplish a lot. If you've got an Aaron Donald and you go with a five-man blitz, you're creating then a singled up opportunity for Donald. So it makes sense when you got a guy like that. And and with the Giants, I think what they're thinking of is that they do this in this case because it then gives Lawrence a singled opportunity. But what they do with this defense, and what I saw with the Niners, especially last week, that was just so odd about it, is that they go five-man pressure front to the front, and then they go cover two back. So, Brennan, you got you know five here, two to the back, which leaves you four left as far as the rest of this whole field to cover up and it just leaves too many massive gaping holes in the in the zone you know if you're gonna blitz, bring the six man bring the extra get uh, overwhelm overload the pass protection so that there's a free rusher or at least the threat of a free rusher just you, you can't bring to me those five-man fronts just they don't have you can do it occasionally but the way they leaned on it last week was like constant and it was just getting crushed.
0: Yeah, uh, there was actually a stat after that Thursday night game where technically the Giants blitzed on some suicidally high rate. Yeah. It was like 83 percent, but it was completely ineffective and Purdy picked it apart. And it's the thing you're saying, right? It's not an effective blitz. It's not enough.
1: It's the thing people tell me about Purdy, the Niners fans especially, they get in my ear about Purdy and they say he's been blitzed. He's been blitzed because that's my thing with Purdy is make him uncomfortable, squeeze down on the zones. And that's what they come back to. And they keep saying that to me over and over and over again. And it's like, but like you just said, hold on. It's more complicated than that. They're going to count a five-man pressure package as a blitz. Anything more than four will be considered a blitz by the way that they're charting those numbers. I'm not talking about that with Purdy. I'm not talking about, I know my offensive line is going to be able to pick up man for man here. And, and the thing with that, the, the most special reason on this, Brendan, is because Purdy's got such a commitment to getting the ball out of his hands so fast that if you've got a matchup like a Donald, you know that's going to get freed up. He's still getting the ball out of his hands quick enough for it not to really impact him to the point that you're going to affect him with that pass rush. You're going to make him uneasy. It's the extra guy you bring up. It's when you overload things that you start getting. I've seen it with Purdy that you start to actually get him a little bit dicey. But you know the night the Giants were so scared about the back end getting hit even without you know Ayuk in that game where you just had Debo Samuel and and Kittle, but. They were scared to death. They drop in that cover two every time. And it's just like, that's that's not what I'm talking about with Purdy, right? You can see why that bothers me because like you're you're still dropping the cover two depth with the safeties, which is still a place Purdy's really not going to try to push the ball to. And I know he had a couple of throws in that game that were he completed, but he had a couple other throws that almost got picked when he threw to that depth too. Oh, yeah.
0: mm <laughs> Um, yeah, I, uh, I agree. I mean, I, I said it the night of that game. I remember we did a show and I said, you know, Purdy is just fixing to have that six interception game. It, it's coming. Yeah. I feel like it's coming Agreed. with the way he's getting away with some stuff here. But, um, yeah, I, I, um, also while we're here, I should point out that the Giants blitz Gino a lot last year when we played them, mm. uh, it was like 59% of the dropbacks and Gino, beat it up Gino played great against the blitz last year so my one concern about this game on offense is potentially no cross no Lucas potentially no Haynes that's three of your starting five offensive linemen obviously Gino's shown he's really good pre-snap at directing players and getting them where they need to be and identifying where the blitz is coming from but if we've got three backups on there on the offensive line are they going to be prepared are they going to be here like Bradford's a rookie you know Bradford's a rookie Forsyth we know that he just doesn't move all that you know he's got problems he's got some problems in his game Uh, Kerhan, more of a run blocker are these guys going to be capable of picking up these blitzes that Wink will probably send even if Geno's able to point them out properly before the snap
1: well, one of the reasons you were so effective last year and the reason you're going to still remain effective against this blitz is uh, for the aforementioned reasons you gave, yes, uh, Gino being good against the blitz and understanding how to get the ball out of his hands very fast when combating the blitz. But I think as well, this Mick, Wink-Martindale scheme is best to attack more of your 11 personnel and more of the times when there's a three-wide look and then you come after it with that. I think when you have a team that they go up against that has more of two tight end and three tight end looks, 12 and 13 personnel, I think that that's where that starts to put Martinsdale defense in a bind. And my reason being is, okay, we want to go with our six-man blitz now. We're going to go with more of the fa- the five-man. We're going to put our guys out of the island. So we're going to put a guy on the edge where Tyler Lockett runs a sluggo route, and that guy better hold up on that sluggo route or he gets beat. Tyler beats him last game. In fact, beat him twice over the top. Tyler had one ball go off his head. Remember, he had a rare, rare drop on a deep ball where he was wide open as well. The issue comes in, though. I think you can see where I'm going with this: is that if the Seahawks drop Max Protect back, what happens? You know, you suddenly have two, three extra blockers in there, and and Gino's had a lot of success with this through these last two weeks. With when they've gone to this, where we haven't always had the five, six guys running routes, Brendan. Where it's you've got a lot, you've got this layer of a the the Great Wall of China in front of him, and the amount of guys that he has in front of him, and now you've got a hat for a hat, man for a man. And now those guys that have speed like DK that can get open or a guy like Jackson that can get open in short spaces become really deadly at that point. So uh, this is why we combated so well last year was Geno Smarts, but then the tight ends, which I know we had that commitment to last year as well because we didn't have a slot at that time. So we were just committed to it for different reasons. Um, this year, I think we'll be committed to it as we've been for the, the pass protections it gives you, the max protect it gives you at times.
0: Right. And I want to see a lot of pistol as well because again, yeah. it just seems like teams don't really know how to handle it
1: amen i want i want every different iteration of tied, two tight ends to his back two tight ends to his side i want three tight ends i we haven't seen that look yet brendan give me the three tight ends stack like a line behind gino
0: like, like all <laughs> uh <laughs> like what is that like the fake st- it's almost like the statue of liberty play almost you yeah up a bunch of people and then they all go this way except one guy takes the ball goes that way
1: totally like gino can turn back and just fake whoo, 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 turn back and then throw to the first guy or something i don't
0: know Get you get super creative with it though. Uh let's see here. Seahawks Gaming, thank you for the 499. The Giants don't have the personnel to run a blitz scheme. Since when did Debo beat us deep? LOL. <laughs> oh, yeah. Debo did get catch that one deep ball on him. Debo kind of beat him up, generally speaking, in that game.
1: Debo was a man in that game. Um, he was on definitely his like in the zone mode. Uh he didn't yeah. really beat him over the top, it was a trust throw. And, the, and the, the corner didn't look for the ball. It wasn't like there was a, a lot of separation, and Purdy with his pop-gun arm definitely couldn't push it to the back of the end zone. So, you know, he just slowed down and he outplayed the guy on the ball. But, you know, that's not Debo's game is really getting open over the top. He hasn't done that a whole hell of a lot in his career.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, last year they were able to run Wink Martindale's scheme pretty good. They had a decent defense last year. Um, like, like is Julian love really, I know Julian love was really good last year for them, but is he a linchpin to that degree? Because who else did they lose?
1: Yeah, I, I think that that certainly hurts them a little bit. I mean, you've got a guy like Deontay banks as a, as a corner out there, rookie corner. He's kind of, I think getting his lumps a little bit. I don't think like a Robinson has probably given them the returns back that they thought, you know, there's like a combination of deals here. I would, I'd reckon to guess you know, let's let's also look at their schedule really quickly again from last year on, like, you know, what was their – let me just take a quick glance at this, Brendan, because I've got a theory on this as well.
0: They lost to Philly twice. They lost to Dallas twice. So you got
1: – yeah, so look at – I mean, let's go down. So, okay, there's some interesting wins there. I got to give them credit. There's some good wins there last year. So, I mean, you're kind of right. I mean, there wasn't any crazy yeah. offenses. Tennessee, Carolina, Chicago, Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers. Um Jackson was okay. Houston was a bad offense. Well, I yeah.
0: Know. I mean Baltimore, that was the game where Lamar just decided he didn't feel like winning. So the game's over and he just throws it right to I think Thibodeau Yeah. Like, like that was a good win, but they never should have won that game.
1: Yeah, I I just there is a part of it just feels like that defense didn't play as really, you know, it wasn't that good and it had some good performances, but I I there's maybe a little more smoke and mirrors in my field to it just a little bit. Now it's still got some talent on it. And I, I want to say, I think we're going to get it. We're going to get, I think a better defensive effort from them this year than we did last year in this game. Okay. So it's, I don't last year, you were able to kind of run a bit and you're able to pass a bit, but if they want to blitz heavy, I think this is into Gino's wheelhouse at that point. You know, I I think I mean, when you start putting him, he's a guy that's showing you that he can see where it's coming. He can change to the play. He can hit his hot route. Uh, I also think this is a really good chance for this game to be the one where JSN comes out and gives you the, you know, five, six catches up around 100 yards. You know, a little bit more of the chain mover where Gino's able to find him because I think he's just knocking on the door.
0: Yeah, I agree. So, speaking of the talent on this Giants defense, uh, one guy I want to kind of zoom in on here, like we did with Evan Neal, would be Kayvon Thibodeau. Because <laughs> uh, is this guy the second coming of Yannick N'Gakwe, a completely incompetent run defender? Because so far, that's basically what PFF has, has had to say about him. They think he's as atrocious a run defender as you will find. He's like Daryl Taylor after three drinks. He's uh, like, like, what do you think is going on there? Because there's been some serious bust noise around Thibodeau from the New York media lately. Are, are you buying it?
1: I mean, it's, it's to me, I get the Deion Jordan vibes. Kind of a bit. If you want to have me go back, to, you know, to a guy that Oregon, similar kind of guy coming out, it was just a freakazoid that you thought was going to, you know, really develop and had all the physical traits that you look for, but, you know, just it didn't all come together for him. And, you know, there was some worry with Thibodeau coming out. Did he love football? And this is where I would come to this. I don't know if he does or do- doesn't. I'm not saying I don't know on this guy's heart and where he is with it, but I will say that if there's questions about a guy like that that's really, really talented, the thing that ends up holding them back from developing and becoming that player then becomes the lack of the work ethic because they can go into college and still be that five-star guy and get by on just the, the natural talent and they're good. If it, you know, to get to that spot of being legit at the pro level though, you've got to have the work ethic to do it. And guy talking about his brand coming out of college and seemingly kind of having some of that stuff where it's like, bro, just worry about being a worry about being a football player. Worry about that first and foremost. You can get around to that stuff later on. And, uh, so I were I wonder about that with him a little bit, Brendan. But yeah, he can't set the edge. He gets collapsed down. Doesn't show a lot of play strength out there. Doesn't show like Daryl Taylor a lot of awareness in space. Uh, a back can be running right past his left shoulder, seemingly within the you know just 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 do the just just put your put your just stick your <laughs> ding, ding, arm out. You know, just cra- just at least grab an arm on him. You know, I mean, I just at least hold him up a little bit, slow him down. Um, but he'll just be completely locked up with two arms. You often see him watch for it on Monday night. You just often see him caught up where he doesn't even get the single arm off. He just always, he gets locked up and he stays locked up. So, a uh, grade well-earned. Um, and, uh, you know why? I don't know. Lack of fire would be my guess.
0: You know, looking at this Giants team, it, they're, they're pretty light on veterans, right? Maybe it was the wrong team for him to go to.
1: Yeah, he needed to go to a locker room where it would have been established with, with guys, you know, he needed guys like the, you know, the Ray Lewis type mentality guys in the locker room to make sure this kid was going to do what he needed to do. You know, and I mean, we've heard reportedly that the Seahawks weren't going to even draft him, that they had taken him off their board. And I think that that is a indicative, I don't know if it's the truth or not, that comes from Dave Wyman, but it's indicative of, I think, who has a connection to Sean, John Schneider. So I think there's something to that, by the way, I am him saying that. Um, but I, that's indicative of what we're talking about with this, Brendan, was that that background track, you know, why is Jalen Carter not a Seahawk? You know, why is Skaven Thebinas yet? Like, because background checks matter and they're, they're going to let it carry weight and not just a small amount of weight. They want guys that love football. They, they want talented guys too. They want all that stuff, but they give me guys that love ball. I don't want the guy that just loves being a football player there's a difference. And uh, I, I, I really wonder if that's maybe not the case with him. It's a little bit like the Justin Fields thing, right? Justin Fields, uber talented. Why is he not taking a step this year right now? Come back to that phrase that we talked about at draft time that was referenced to him. Remember the phrase, Brendan, remember the phrase with Justin Fields?
0: Uh, what was the, uh, what was it? Oh man, I can't remember now. It's been too long.
1: First in and last out the building or for uh, last Uh, out, last in, last in, first out the uh, building.
0: Oh, that's what they said about McNabb when he went to Minnesota. You almost never hear that. No. Yeah, that's a phrase you almost never hear. Yeah, no. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And if you hear that, especially about a quarterback, it's like, warning, yeah. warning. You know, be now, I, mean,
0: I mean, Justin Fields' real problem is that the forward pass was invented in 1906.
1: It's true. He needs some of that wing T action back in the pros.
0: Yeah. If, if he was around 125 years ago, he would have been great. It's, uh, uh but, but yeah, I mean, there was an article written on, um, ESPN. I think it was ESPN earlier, uh, this year talking about the whole, uh, Jalen, uh, Jalen Carter thing. And what it basically said was that Philly took him because they felt like they had the veterans mm-hmm. to keep, keep, keep him in check and get the best out of him. And that's also why Seattle took, uh, McDowell in 2017. They felt like they had the veterans to get the best out of him at that time, but they didn't feel like, they don't feel like they have that now. So they don't do stuff like that. Uh, It makes sense.
1: Makes complete sense. I would agree with their assessment of it. You're in year two of a rebuild. You just drafted a whole metric ton of young, talented players. The last thing you want to bring into the group is uh, a volatile aspect of things that can send the, the group astray or create clicks in the locker room. And I think that that's an intelligent approach by a front office that understands this kind of stuff very, very acutely.
0: Uh, Let's see here, Uh, Jeffrey A. Thistle. Thank you for the five dollar super chat. Watched old footage of our Super Bowl year. Seeing eight hawks around the ball at all times on both sides. People lane blocks twenty yards downfield. So fun (laughs) there was.
1: It's always it's it's always gonna be great with that old footage you can go back to. I I it's something I enjoy doing often, especially because I can do it often for the name of the channel, looking to find clips and stuff from the old. But um you know, it's it's always great to to go back and check out the old uh 2012, 13, 14 tape. Go back to any regular season game and yeah, you're gonna get some good, fun football to watch uh that uh is very unique.
0: Right. Um so what do you think of Adoree Jackson? He's uh kind of the uh only thing in the secondary that's playing decently right now. And actually this year he's been a little bit down, but uh what do you think of dory Jackson as a player?
1: dory is a guy that I've liked for a long time going back to USC. You know, he's never really been able to quite find a, it seems like a long-term place even though he seems to play pretty consistently throughout the course of his career. He's never a star guy, but back even at Tennessee, it was always pretty pretty solid guy. I I think there's times where last year you saw him getting aligned on the outside by New York and I don't understand that about him because when he was drafted, when he's coming out for the draft, I saw him very firmly as a slot only guy. That that where he should be. Don't put him on the outside. And New York's even done that to him in time. Like I said last last year against DK. You had him out there going against DK at 5'11" 185. I I I think that's not the proper utilization of him. But if you put him into the slot, I think he can still be pretty useful in that area of things. He's probably maybe not what he was uh, back in the day, but I, I, I've always kind of liked a Dory's game going back to USC. I always thought he could be, as we move into those slots, becoming more important players in the, that very specified role. Um, but he could be one of those guys that, that kind of ascended a little bit in that spot and, and has been a pretty good. He's been above average, not that below Pro Bowl, above average for the most part through most of his career, I think, when put into that role.
0: Like, that's the uh, one guy that I wonder if he could find a way to lock up on Metcalf or Lockett or something like that and free up Martindale to send his crazy blitzes at us. That would be the one thing that I think could hold us up a little bit more than anything else in this game. But uh, other than that, I look at this Giants defense and I think they're better than how they've looked so far this season. I, I don't think they're actually as bad. There, Some fluky stuff has happened to them. Let's be real here. There's been some fluky stuff, like the blocked field goal against the Cowboys. That's obviously nothing to do with the defense. They had the pick six. But um, at the end of the day, as long as your interior offensive line is ready for Dexter and uh, Big Cat, there's not really too much to be intimidated by here.
1: No, I, I think you you trust, if you had a quarterback, you worried a little bit more on how they deal with the blitz. This might be a bit more... Cumbersome of a matchup in its face, but I think this is one place DK has shown to be very good at that. That's a spot in particular that he's concentrated, and uh you know I think he's even noted Philip Rivers has helped helped his game a lot out when he went through there with San Diego as a backup back in the day, and so I, I I trust in him to be able to deal with that okay. And in fact, I think that the Giants in doing that leaves them with the way the nature by which at least they've been running their blitzes recently. I think that will leave them vulnerable because I think you're doing that against the Niners and you're scared about the Niners taking you off apart over the top with Brock Purdy in his arm and without Brandon Ayuk on the field and with only Debo Samuel being the only guy out there that could do that potentially to you. Then why would you not also believe that with DK and Tyler out on the field as well? I I think that that's where they're going to run. I think you've got short and intermediate routes that now become available. And Gino's able at that point to have a little bit more picking apart. It's the key to me with us is can we get to the edges in the, in the run game? and and utilize as much as we have early on this season so far um i mean whether he's even started on inside runs to get outside i want to challenge the team defense of this giants team show me show me you've got the speed and and the quickness to stay with our backs and and keep the limit of big runs with a guy like walker and then tackle a guy like charbonnet i want to see them challenged in that way because i don't think that they're going to hold up to the to the challenge
0: yeah according to pff by the way um I think like eighty percent of k 9s runs so far this year have been in zone zone based blocking, mm-hmm. and the other twenty percent have been gap based, which I think is great I, I love yeah. that. I think that's awesome i
1: I don't have any um issues with the Walker usage at this point. I think it frankly has been pretty close to perfect in what i would what I would say that they've done with him so it's it's not been putting him into hammering a gap runs all day, and that's what you're doing. it's been nice it's been a nice mix so far.
0: All right, so just to round up the injury stuff on the offensive side of the ball, Cross did not practice. Haynes did not practice. I don't know if we're going to have either of those guys or not right now. It's hard to say. Uh, Metcalf didn't practice, but I have no concern about that. He's going to play. Like This is a pain tolerance thing more than a, oh, he's actually injured and can't play thing.
1: Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I don't think he misses a primetime game. One of the few ones you have this year.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Disley practiced today, which is a great sign. And he's nice. been good this year, so that's no—that's not a small thing.
1: No. I want to use my three tight ends, and I don't want to use that guy we just signed. I want all my three good tight ends on the field for this game.
0: Mm-hmm. And, um, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, Oju Lari did practice a little bit today, but still not sure if he's going to play or not. That's going to be interesting to monitor in the, uh, coming couple of days here. And that's, uh, really about it. So I think we broke it all down pretty good, uh, pick up the blitzes and you should be good.
1: Yeah. I think Bradford's going to be okay in there, by the way, just I've going back, I'm doing a show on Sunday, looking at the snaps of Bradford a bit more closer. And, and I've got a good, like 15 of them that I've kind of cut up to put in there, but man, he went up against, I know we talked a little bit about this on, on even yet on Wednesday or Tuesday on this, Brendan, but he, he really did such a good job on Derek Brown. And that gives me so much faith going forward because, you know, Lawrence is another one. He's kind of big, just, he'll try to overwhelm me of power and strength. And Bradford can kind of, you know, meet that. He can do that with Leonard Williams too. I'm not saying he's going to dominate the matchup, but his performance was better than his PFF score last year, in my opinion, watching the tape.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, um, I was very impressed with Bradford in that game. I am aware of the fact that this is going to be a really tough challenge, but he's um, I, I think a lot of C, at the very least, a lot of Seahawks fans would be very excited to see him in this, uh, in this game. I think, there's, there's some hype around him now.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I agree with you on that.
0: Uh, let's see here. Feed me more Seahawks. Thank you for the $2. Bradford played great in the run game. I I, I think he was better in the past than the run, but uh, you see the potential for him to be a really good right guard in this league.
1: I, I, yeah, I mean, it's I for me on the tape too. There was a maybe a couple pass sets in there that he got through, but it, it was to me solid all the way down the line in this game. Um, it was certainly probably maybe at its most impressive in the ground game, but I gotta say, the passing wasn't that far off when he's and I know Brown's not pass rush is not his forte, but Brown was giving him everything he could. He was hand fighting him, he was giving him power, he was trying to go to, to rip moves. And Bradford was giving him none of it. And Brett wasn't like Bradford was like struggling to barely hold on for dear life at, on these, these reps. It's like, he's drawing, he's drawing a draw. He's pulling that out time and time again. And I just, to do that again, this game from where he was on his tape with LSU, from where he was on his tape in preseason, I'm, I'm getting a lot more confidence from Bradford from this, this last game. Those snaps were very impressive. And I've gone back now and watched him a couple of times. Cause I'm trying to put the cuts together for this, this show I'm going to do on Sunday. So.
0: All right. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about him. Um, I am, and I, I want to say this is really impressive. This is a guy who didn't even play that much in college. Mm. I think he had like 17 starts at LSU.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's he's barely played. The rough tape you understood, he's a young kid. I mean, I didn't expect him to play as well. That's why I'm kind of noting a bit of, uh, much, Brendan, just because I didn't expect him to play this good this last week like he did. I expect there to be some highlights where he pushes a guy's head into the turf and tries to see if he can squish him. <laughs> but I didn't think it was going to be like snapping and snap out. You're seeing him consistently get his job done. You're seeing some dominant reps in there. You're not seeing him have those moments of complete whiffs or just not getting, you know, the the play going to hell and it all being on his
0: back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all we really need to do at this point, I mean, uh, giant special teams, Graham Gano is a great kicker. Graham Gano good.
1: Yeah. Right? Oh, he can get it done. Yeah. They do have a yeah, kick kick block and we've got a, we've got a kick block this year. So look for a place to where, if our, especially for our special teams that can maybe get an edge. Um, maybe that's a place in this game that you can get after them in a bit.
0: So I think all we really need now is a final score.
1: Final score. Ooh, doggies. All right. Well, uh, you, you're, you're hosting this one tonight. So you got to start
0: it out. Uh, little bit concerned about their interior defensive line versus our interior offensive line that's like the one real strength of this team so far for the Giants through three games but I think we can do enough I think we'll be able to do enough and I'm going to say that our defense really shuts down that Giants offense that really hasn't done anything right outside of what was it like 25 minutes against the uh, Cardinals There was that's like right. a 25 minute run of competency. And other than that, it's been dreadful. So I'm going to show some faith there. I'm going to say we win twenty to ten.
1: Twenty to ten. I like it. Um, I see a little bit more points being scored in this game overall. I think Daniel Jones and company were going to play a little bit better than they've been on that, but not a lot better. So I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with uh, Seahawks at twenty seven points in this game, um, and I'll go with a, a Giants team at twenty. 27-20 in this game. Come out of it by a touchdown. But I, I think the fact that Saquon's not playing in this game, um, they, you had Saquon last year, and we got you guys by a good amount. I think we won that by like 10 points or something. You know, you kind of were running away with that one. And so I, I think that you're, in certain respects, you're hungrier as a Giants team this year coming into it versus traveling on the road to our stadium last year mid-game. Probably a game that they weren't exactly going to be probably as hyped up for as this week, Brendan. But um, I still think that that is enough for you to carry the day. that You've got... You've got enough talent. you got guys coming back. Jamal's going to provide, a, I think, a shot in the arm on this defense. Witherspoon has shown that he's provided a, a real helpful part. And we get woolen back, man. We get some woolen and Witherspoon action going on both sides at once. Wow, what a game we're going to get to watch with those two, and what kind of coverages we run with that. What's your uh, over-under over under on four blitzes for Jamal in this game? Well, four, Pete four.
0: said that there are no limitations, so I'm going to go over.
1: Over on the four. Let's go.
0: He called Jamal Mr. Unlimited this week, which has <laughs> to be shot.
1: <laughs> of course he did. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <I> just, <laughs> Pete's,
1: taking his, Pete's taking his chill on his subtle digs, and he? He isn't. He's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He deserves okay. it. You know, hey, I, guess he deserves I, it. I can't blame Pete. I can't blame Pete on that. Okay. Yeah, get it, Pete. But uh, good. Yeah, I'd love to see it. If you're out there, let him loose, man. Like I said, let, if you're going to put that car on the road, don't keep it under 35, you know? I wanna see some Sammy Hagar in this, you know. I can't drive 65.
0: And uh the Mariners just uh walked it off, by the way. So let's go. got some good things going on here. Um, still alive, barely, not by much, but
1: <laughs>
0: but hey, hanging in there.
1: At least it's alive. Better better than being out. So that's yeah. good to hear.
0: Uh, so I think we kind of wrapped everything up. I think that's everything that needs to be discussed. Uh this Giants team. Relatively straightforward of a team, I feel like. I feel like I have a pretty good understanding. I've watched two of their games this year in primetime. They've had two primetime games, so I've got to watch them more than most other teams. Uh, And that Cardinals game, I actually watched the replay of on NFL Network because it was such an amazing comeback. They replayed it a couple times. So uh, I've seen them a lot this year, and I feel like I have a decent handle of what's going on there. Now, I know they're better than what they've shown so far, but I also feel like it's a very limited team.
1: I agree with you. That's my feeling on it as well. I just think it's a team that you can, you should be able to get this point where they're at, where you're at. And uh, I just, you got to stay, stay sound and bring that energy, meet that energy they're going to bring because you're getting their best punch. And if you can show them that you're right there with that same energy, you, then you'll outlast them, then you'll out talent them, then you'll win. But you're going to have to kind of that first thing where they're going to come out, you know, they're going to be juiced to the nines trying to reclaim this season. Cause if not, like you said, they're very much looking at a year that is going to go to hell in a handbag and go very, very fast.
0: All right, so all that's left to do is play the game. All that's left to do is get the win. And I'll tell you, we both had the Seahawks at 3-1 and after four games. And I always say there's nothing you can do to undo a loss. Like the loss is just there. You can't undo the loss. But you can cover it up, right? And if you win this game you're starting to cover up what happened in week one. You're starting to get back to the point where it's like, okay, we're we're back on this train. The train is back on the tracks that we thought it was going to be on. We can still do something good this season. And all you got to do is win this very winnable game on Monday night.
1: That's all you got to do, man. You get to three and one, you get through the bye. And we could be looking at a team that is at its healthiest as it's coming out the bye that it's been all season at its fullest strength at three and one and in a position to create some real room within the schedule to then set the stage for them to get to that place. We're looking to get this year, which is hopefully we be we're okay, would love to get back to the plans, but hopefully get to actually a true contender state, Brendan.
0: Okay. So thank you everybody for showing up tonight. We had about 300, 310 people here for most of the night. Uh, Brandon, thank you for coming out and doing this with me this week. Yet again, third day in a row.
1: Let's go. Let's go. We're cooking, bro
0: and uh we will be back next week to wrap up the Giants game win lose or draw we will talk about whatever it is that happens out there and we hope you guys will join us then and we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up for the night and get out of here but um I mean right before a primetime game this is especially important I think right you're going into that big market New York stadium brand new MetLife stadium I think this is more important than it is even a few uh, some other weeks. So, gotta hit them with it before we get out, right?
1: Gotta gotta let them know this this is we this is prime time. We got the eyes of the nation upon him. This is a, let's stamp this game out. Let's let's put a message to the rest of the country. Let's put them on notice. Hawks aren't just here to be sort of a backdoor playoff team. We ain't gonna be your backdoor man this year. No, no, All no right. we're coming through the
0: Okay. <laughs> all right so let's get this win let's get to three and one let's cruise into the bye week feeling good about ourselves and let's say it go hawks
1: go hawks